Welcome to the Heart of Dad podcast. Heart of Dad is a podcast for entrepreneurs who are passionate about their families and business and looking to find more clarity, more balance and more alignment in all areas of their life. Come and join the community at heartofdad.com or on Facebook at groups forward slash heartofdad. So, welcome to a Heart of Dad special. Uh, Sam and I kicked this whole process off back in, uh, well, we recorded that back end of last year, but we launched the podcast in January. And uh, we have just reached a thousand downloads for the podcast, which is an amazing milestone. Really chuffed uh, at all the wonderful conversations I've had and all the listeners who've been listening to this podcast. And uh, I was talking to Sam the other week and we were reflecting on what's gone really well with Heart Dad and some of the areas that I think are still rich for us to explore. So Sam suggested he turn the tables on me and ask me a few questions about Heart Dad and my relationship as a dad. I don't know what he's going to ask actually. I'm going into this blind. So <laughs> it's oh, a leap of, so much leap of faith. I'm slightly worried by the uh, whip and the, uh, metal claws that you've got attached to his hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're completely screwed in this conversation, Matt. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's just a little bit of context, but uh, we're just going to see where it goes and uh, hopefully it's going to be of some value to all of you who are listening. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really important to remember as well that, you know, this, this, this subject that we were talking about just before, this, this, this topic is so deep, there's so, it's so rich, there's so much we can talk about. And you know, the whole point of this originally when we spoke about it and you, you had this idea was to give and create that space for us dads to really explore and to listen and to hear some of the things that maybe don't get said, you know, that we hold in and we maybe don't talk about some things maybe we feel ashamed about or we just don't, it doesn't occur to us to even talk about, right? And so I thought it'd be fun to turn the tables on that and say, well, actually, let's put him in the spotlight. <laughs> And kind of see what the future, <laughs> welcome, you can thank me or not. Um, but yeah, just to maybe explore a bit about the future of this as well, because it is, for me as, as a coach, it is such, and as a, just as a dad and a bloke, it's such an important topic to talk about. Um, and yeah, no, I, I think I'll leave that there. But Matt, why don't you tell us a bit more about like really why you started this like why did you just what did you really start this what was the real thing you were you were considering that's such a big question in a way a simple one but a big one because i think what drew me to this creating this podcast was my own for want of a better word ambivalence about being a dad um like, like most people, I don't want to say every person, but like most people, I suppose, having my son was a massive turning point in my life. Um, I was present at his birth. I was the first to hold him. Um, we had this extraordinary experience of birth at home. And it was a deeply powerful, moving, earthquaking kind of event in my life. And it's one, and I know this is a cliche, but it's one I was absolutely not prepared for. 
emotionally. I mean, I've you know, been to the antenatal classes, you know, been through all the stuff with, with my partner, Catherine, and, um, you know, I had a good understanding, I thought, of what was about to arrive into our lives, but actually I didn't. And, uh, you know, we had some unique challenges, like every parent has different challenges, but we had a real challenge with feeding and sleep um, in the first six months. Uh, our son had an undiagnosed tongue tie. Feeding was incredibly difficult for him. And the levels of stress and distress in our lives were was very high at the time. Um, and... Uh, Although I'd done a lot of personal development work, I had a lot of therapy, uh, I'd been very successful in my professional life, um, this particular emotional tsunami that came into my life, I was unprepared for, and it, and it triggered a lot of things in me, uh, some of which I might go into in another, another time, I won't go into too much detail today, but um, it, it felt like a, a bomb had gone underneath me in some ways. Um, and you know, quite often when you talk to other parents or you know, dads in the lead up to birth, there's a lot of sugar coating. There's a lot of, uh, oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I wouldn't change it for the world. And, you know, maybe I would say some of those things too now. I had a couple of friends who painted a very different picture and I thought it was really uncharitable and unkind of them <laughs> as we were sitting in the pub a few times and they were telling me it was going to be a really rough ride and you know it was just like <laughs> they described all the hellish moments they'd had as parents as both men and women involved in this conversation I thought oh, it's just you know don't burst my bubble but actually they were they were real I can really acknowledge that now um I did probably what I have done most of my adult life in the face of severe stress. Um, I have gone and thrown myself into work massively uh, and I've probably eaten unhealthily. Those have been my two kind of coping mechanisms. And I think both those things came out quite strongly in that period after my son was born. Um, I had left, uh, I was in the process of leaving the business that I'd created. Um, 10, nine years before. Um, I was on my last three months and I was part-time when I came back from maternity leave. And I got involved in setting up a not-for-profit um, ecotherapy project in Brighton. And I got involved, well, I set up my own therapy practice because so I decided to have a career change at that point. And I really threw myself into those. I remember having my son on my chest sleeping like at four in the morning with my laptop out and starting to create the website for um, my new business and uh, and then getting writing business plans for the other business, you know, at, at odd times of the night and day. And um, <laughs> I'm going to say my, one of my most embarrassing moments was that um, I, one of my avoidance strategies was um, Candy Crush which I don't have on my phone, uh, but um, we had a Bluetooth speaker in our house at that time. And uh, I came back from the loo uh, one day and my partner said, uh, have, you got, have you got a game? Or like, have you got Candy Crush on your phone or something? I went, no, no. And she said, uh, well, it's just been broadcasting on our Bluetooth speaker for the last 20 minutes. And sometimes, you know, I'd go to the loo, even though I definitely did not need the loo, uh, just so I could get away. and. Um, 
from the just the overwhelm really uh, and play Candy Crush. So there was quite a lot of avoidance, I think. And um, yeah, and, and, and amazing moments, of course, there were, you know, I think there was those moments like of blissed outness you get when you connect with your child and see this new life developing and the awe as you see them take their steps developmentally, they're sitting up, rolling over, crawling, smiling, articulating their first words, all that was, was truly amazing. Uh, but I also felt like I was in this parallel universe for a long time of not really seeing anybody, just struggling on um, as a couple, my kind of social life fell away. Um, so it was really work and baby. That was all I knew at that time. And um, I felt very guilty about that and quite ashamed about it. I felt like, you know, particularly as I was trained as a therapist, that I should be on top of life better than that. I shouldn't be the person who's acting out with Candy Crush or with sugary food or reverting to workaholic tendencies to avoid what is painful and difficult. But I, you know, was, uh, I was doing that. And at some point it occurred to me um, that I probably wasn't the only dad who was having that kind of experience. He wasn't feeling like he was fucking up in some way or other. Um, I felt that probably others had that experience, but it's really hard to talk about. It's really hard to go out there and say, this is a struggle for me. There are times when I feel really bored. There are times when I feel really distant from my partner, but I feel like I'm a spare part in all this. Uh, there are times where my identity, as I knew it, has been completely compromised and um, remolded in a way that I had expected or you know, obviously I was a willing, <laughs> I was a willing partner in the creation of my child. Well, that's not always given, but well, this was a, definitely a choice uh, for, for the two of us. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear, yeah. Um, hopefully Catherine will corroborate. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a willing choice. And um, and yet I had a lot of ambivalence about it just at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start exploring that story with other dads. Um, to give it some airtime to say, okay, of course, there's lots we can learn as dads from each other, you know, hero stories, success stories, techniques, realness, you know, and, and everybody can find the hero story to tell. That's easy, relatively speaking. But it's much harder um, to tell the story of when you look in your mirror and you don't like what you see when you have those moments of deep disconnection or shame or alienation or loneliness or, you know, as we've spoken about before, anger, because I think uh, being a dad has taken me into spaces of anger that I didn't think I could, I would ever experience. Um, and, you know, just keep keeping the counterpoint, you know, as I was just reflecting this week, I had some, Difficult moments. I was just sharing with uh, with Sam before we came on air. Uh, some 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 difficulty yesterday, but also I had those moments of um, looking into my son's eyes and just feeling that utter bliss of love when you see this extraordinary human being in front of you and just you know, your breath is taken away by this person who you're blessed to have in your life. And so. 
Yeah, that's a long rambling answer. But I don't know if it gets to any of the things that you asked. Even <laughs> it just it just brings out more questions. <laughs> damn, damn you! Which is a good thing, considering this <laughs> is a conversation. Uh, what what, I, what I've really heard is, is this sense of correct me if I'm wrong. But it's like uh, that the, the the difference, the scale of you know this real sense of happiness and excitement and freeness, and then the depth of the emotion that being a parent can bring, like the the fear and the worry and the anger. And how quickly it goes from one to the other. I don't. I don't know anything else that creates this sense of <laughs> this movement between those two that quickly. Like it, it's so quickly, isn't it? And there was a part of what you were saying, Matt, which I'd really love to explore with you because I, th- I feel like you have some answers here around expectation. You know, and how we have so many expectations of ourselves, whether it's society or whatever. I don't know, but I'd love to explore that with you. And, why is it that do you think that it's not okay for us to talk about that and feel that? Why does this sense of guilt and shame for these feelings come from? That's a great question. I mean, I think you have to answer it at different levels. Um, some of it, and I think I don't want to be too sort of facile about it, but I think some of it goes down to sort of the public image of fatherhood. Um, it's kind of quite sugar-coated. Um, I mean, obviously, we see there's lots of films and stories of like dads in positions of redemption. But pr- the predominant narrative, I would say, is, you know, super dad, dad who's, well, it's polarised. We say it's either absent dad, dad who's a complete failure, dad who um, is non-participative in their, their child's life, or it's the other extreme, which is, you know, um, superhero dad who, who who can't set a foot wrong. So that's that's quite polarised, I would say. Um, without being too generalised or stereotypic, you know, it's harder for men to bond over um, this kind of thing to talk about the deeper emotions. You know, men sometimes, not always, but tend to to stick at the more superficial level. I think for a man to say, I'm a dad and I'm really struggling is really quite hard, um, particularly because um, it, it opens up questions of vulnerability. Uh, as you were suggesting, it opens up um, questions about how you measure yourself, how you measure yourself against others. Um, it's difficult to ask for help. Um, it's difficult to know where to go for help. It's difficult to know whether you'll be understood by others. Um, and, you know, the, everybody says no child comes with an instruction manual. And of course that's true, but I think there's a sort of, you know, fatherhood is such an archetypal thing. You kind of, I made an assumption, maybe wrongly, I think that, you, you kind of would know, you you know, and people say that you work, you kind of work it out. And I have been working it out like everybody else works it out. But at the same time, um, yes, so, some people are more relaxed about it than others. I think I was, I don't think I was particularly relaxed with myself about it for a long time. I think I gave myself quite a hard time. Uh, maybe that's becoming a dad later in life. Maybe that's kind of how I have measured myself in my life. Maybe that's, um, you know, my own particular life story that plays out in that way. But I think, I think that's, that's the large part of it. 
yeah, I can really resonate with a lot of that. And, and that, that, that for me is kind of where the heart of dad fits in. It's like it's connecting all the dots and, and not kind of adding to and saying, this is a fix all, but just a place to be as you are. Because like, there's what, what I heard you saying, forgive me if I'm wrong, but there's this sense, sense of acceptance and just being who we are and allowing of feelings like and we've both talked before in depth about how angry how frustrating and like yeah i mean i, I don't know anything else that's created that depth of feeling before in my life certainly not in that direction and that 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 kind of what the heart of dad is right it's that space of exploration and okayness within that to explore and to be okay with what is and to to have a place to go, like you said, because where do we go? In the starting point, I mean, my first aim for it is to create a safe space for dance to be real. And, you know, as I've said before in my end of season one summary, I really applaud the dads who've been on the interview so far, yourself included, Sam, who were willing to sharp in whatever way they could and be real about their experiences of fatherhood. Um, and there's a whole spectrum there. Now, of course there is. There's always going to be a whole spectrum. But even the fact of being willing to have the conversation, I think, is a massive step. And I've had quite a few people feedback saying it's just so refreshing to hear men talking about this kind of stuff, to have men talk about their emotions, men talking about their, their ups and downs. That in itself is, um, is very, very powerful. So, so for me, the first step is absolutely having that space where it's safe, just to say, it's okay to be who you are, that this is real, this is just the human struggle. You know, there is no such thing as perfection in fatherhood. Um, I suppose my longer term aim, which is, you know, the second driver for me, which is, I want things to improve. You know, I certainly don't want, I mean, my child's six now. Um, I know deep down that I want to extract is maybe the wrong word but ensure the maximum quality of relationship i can within my power for the time he's with me in my life and for me not to get through that time when he get he leaves home and live with the regret of um not taking full responsibility for my part in the situation that's not to say i want to deny my humanity or my foibles or the moments of uh, tripping up and falling flat on my face, which are plenty and normal, as we're saying. But to say, actually, there is hope for um, moving beyond the space of despair and resistance, which I found myself in at times, into a place of connectedness and hopefulness. Without sugarcoating it, not saying that's got to be the norm 100% of the time, so I don't think that's ever possible. But to, I suppose, to come into a loving relationship with ourselves so that we can become more loving with those around us. I suppose that would be the kind of the, the heart of Heart of Dad. Yeah, there's this, uh, again, I hear this word that comes up for me is around acceptance, you know, just accepting ourselves. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I heard throughout in the theme throughout the Heart of Dub conversations was kind of uh, sometimes, again, without being too generalistic, we can only talk from personal experience and from the conversations that I've, certainly I've heard, but this sense of pushing and drive and always working towards something, there's that, that conditioning there, isn't there? Quite often, which I've heard is quite a common theme, or at least that's something I've seen. So what do you think, because I know we've spoken in the past about challenges of acceptance. <laughs> I'd love to hear a story from you about that, because I think giving some context would be really insightful, especially for the guys listening, right? Because this is, this, is this is your thing, and I think it'll be really beneficial to hear something from you in that respect. So do you mean a story of when I have struggled with acceptance or I've managed to accept how things Yeah, uh, well, it, more around, yeah, the, the struggle of acceptance. I was just trying to formulate a question. I think you've kind, yeah. of, you've kind of done that for me because it led me on to want to ask another one, which I'm doing a bit. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, at the, at the simplest level, that's the, the point of greatest stress is not accepting uh, what is and um, I suppose if there was a um, a recurrent theme for my podcast if when you hear me chipping in I'll be mentioning about bedtimes <laughs> because all the time that I've known Sam uh, one, of, one of the recurrent themes and you know when Sam asks me how how am I doing I go yeah it's all good but you know bedtimes bedtimes are a struggle and uh, you know there's been various things I haven't been able to participate in with Sam and other coaches that are evening based because it's all hands on deck for bedtime, which is yeah, partly choice, but partly circumstance. Um, and uh, if I could be drawing, a, I mean, for those of you listening on audio, but uh, you won't see this bit for on video, I'm drawing like a you know, roller coaster graph here of what my experience is. And um, there's a straight line, which is, Bedtimes are always quite late with my son, for whatever reason. His his rhythms, his biology, his needs are that he won't be in bed. It's, it's got later and later, but at the moment it's around. If we're lucky, lights out at nine o'clock, and and quite often it's later than that. And um, I've resisted that massively uh, at times. Uh, to the point where, you know, I've, if he'd given me a sledgehammer, I would have just smashed a hole through the wall. I got so cross at the constant, you know, prevarication and procrastination and resistance of that he was having. Um, and there've been other times when I've just gone with the flow. I've just gone, okay, this is the concept of time is one that I'm imposing on it. It's my rhythm that I'm imposing on him. It's my needs that I'm imposing on him. Why do my needs get to trump his or, or vice versa? Um, and I've just kind of relaxed into it and they've been late nights, but I haven't got into my stress and anger and rage about it. But there've been times where the opposite has happened and I've just felt so enraged by the loss of control, which is really at the heart of the anger. It's kind of the sense of, you know, this the space is no longer mine to do what I want. and um, you know, for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm an early riser and I like to get to bed relatively early. So if my son is getting to bed, you know, not far from the time when I actually want to start winding down for the evening, 
um, and thinking about bed and, and I know that I'm going to be up much earlier than him, then I start constructing ideas of, well, this isn't fair, this isn't right. My health is going to suffer because I'm not going to get enough sleep, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, two sides of the acceptance coin in that, in that story. It's like we've got their agenda, our agenda, and then actually what happens, yeah. <laughs> which is quite tough. As you were talking, it's quite funny because Albert came in my office and he was like, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. And then just walked out and I was like, oh man, this is one of those moments. It's like, oh, uh, I love well, you too. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and then in a minute, he'll be really annoyed. <laughs> so, I'm really curious, Matt. Like, Thanks for being so honest because, again, a lot of this is about awareness, isn't it? And having those discussions, like talking about it. And, and, and we know through coaching with one another how that awareness and conversation is the part of any it's the beginnings of anything, like whatever it is going to be, whether it's just a relief of having that conversation or a, a, a part of change or transformation, whatever that looks like. So it's part of the first part. So really curious, a question I have for you around the heart of that is, and along the topic of all of this stuff that we've talk, talked about and there having your own agenda and how frustrating it can be, really curious to know, what, is, what legacy is it that you want the heart of dad to create or to, to leave behind? What does that look like? Such a great question. I was thinking about this the other week. Um, I was talking to Jamie Smart about it. And um, I said, for me, if I can help eradicate the legacy of inter intergenerational trauma through the heart of dad, that would be a massive, a massive win. I'm not, I'm not saying I can do this globally, but in whoever I can come into contact with in the coming years with Heart of Dad as a coach, in creating this movement to support dads, if we can stop the pattern where dads, because of their own alienations within themselves, alienate their own children, who then become alienating parents themselves, that would be an amazing legacy. And, and I'm saying this without any bitterness or, or anger towards my own dad, because I can really recognize at this point in my life that you know, he was a child of the war. He went through his own trauma, his own losses, and how I think he genuinely did his best throughout his life to be the best dad he could be. And yet I know there were times when he really wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't, present as a dad and I found myself being the same and I'd like to really put the brakes on that for myself and for other dads so that with our children um, we create the next generation who doesn't uh, live in the shadow of that legacy where trauma isn't passed on from generation to generation, but actually we make clean breaks, reset ourselves, um, ensure that our children get the absolute best start in life, not only with their mums if they're present and their dads if they're present, but with dads who can be as present as they can be with their kids while being real, while accepting that, you know, it's not a, it's all, it's not all flowery meadows and wonderful sunny days. You know, it's all, 
it comes with all the kind of uh, the difficulty of it but at, at the heart of it there is a commitment to make a shift that we give our children that gift of um, our presence as much as we can because for me that is the um, the biggest determiner of how dads impact their, their, their children. And I don't mean just physical presence, but I mean with attention, you know, with, with real connected, profound attention for, for their children, which I find a struggle at times. So, so that, that's really what the legacy would be for me, is that we can um, break, break the cycles of intergenerational trauma where dads can't be present enough for their kids. Mate, I love it. <laughs> I love that answer. And, I, I, and, I, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. If, if anyone listening to this is kind of feeling like that, right, or well, this resonates, like where do you start with that? Because I think one of the things I most love about you, Matt, is that you have this real gift of not just working around this sort of stuff, you know, with psychology, psychology and, and, that, and psychotherapy, but how you're able to bring out personality and help people create something new. Like you have this real gift of that. So I would be, it would be a travesty for me not to say, you know, and me not to ask, like how would somebody start? Like if someone's hearing this and they're thinking, actually, yeah, this really resonates. How do they start that process of breaking that it's generational trauma? I don't, want, I don't want to be too facile about it. I think there's, there's lots of different ways of doing it, but the, you know, the first step in any of these things is recognition, isn't it? It's being honest with yourself. It's saying actually there's more that I have to offer. Um, it's shining a light a little bit as we've been doing with the podcast and particularly today in, in my own, in my own personal kind of, um, witnessing should we say that we're willing to look at those shadow sides of ourselves that we're willing to own uh, where things are difficult because if we're not able to do that there's no there's no first step after that if you're in if you're in denial or ignorance of what you're creating then how can you shift it so i think there has to be a willingness and i think deep down every dad knows this they, it's, no, it's no secret, it can't be hidden. You, you know there's something in the pit of your stomach or in your heart that tells you something is not quite right. Something could be different. And that isn't about shame. That's a kind, that's a kind feeling. It's a kind of a, a, a feeling of awakening up to what is possible. It's not, it's not a feeling of persecution or, um, or uh, criticism or saying that you know, you're inadequate. It's quite the opposite. It's a really kind feeling that says, actually, I want more from my life and I want more for my children. And I'm willing to open up to what the shadow sides of my experience are to move beyond that into really, well, stepping into your power, but not in the power over, but power within. You're not having power over your children or your partner or anybody else, but having power within yourself to really show up as a dad as best you can and um i think the ways of doing that are are multiple but kind of complicated kind of kinds of conversations that we've been having in the last year i think are, are beautiful for that because i think having been a psychotherapist i would say 
there's enormous power in psychotherapy, but it tends to be primarily focused on healing the wounds. Okay, well, I see things quite differently now. I don't, I don't tend to talk about people in terms of woundedness because I think actually they've got everything they need already right now. So it's waking them up to that, to that possibility and then from there creating a life that they, they want for themselves and being the dad they want to be, creating the, the dream that they want, uh, not from a place of lack but from a place, place of power. It, it, I love it, man. And it, it just sounds like such it's such beautiful, unexplored territory. Like it feels so fresh and, and so new. I mean, as a dad myself, like listening to you, it just feels like there's, there's a real space for this. Yeah. And I won't, I'll go as far as to say need because that feels too much, but there's just this, there's, there's so much room for this. Okay, I really do. One, one last question I think I have for you, Matt, is... If someone was if someone was listening to this and, and resonating and want to talk to you or, or talk on your show, what would you need from them in order for in order for it to be a really powerful conversation for them? That's a great question. Um, I suppose first and foremost is a commitment to be real. Um, I think everybody has some level of bullshit ometer built in and nobody wants to hear, well, maybe I, I don't want to hear any stories of people crushing it as a dad <laughs> because it just reminds me of where I'm not <laughs> crushing it, but joking apart, I think, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good to hear the success stories. Of course it is, but, yeah. but really the power of this is, um, when people open up to, what is the most challenging for them? To my mind, that's where I've been touched the most. That's where I've felt the most reassurance. That's where I felt the deepest connection. I've learned a lot from the success stories. Don't get me wrong. I think that if you listen to any of the podcasts, you know, you're hearing dad after dad giving really powerful examples of where things are working well. And that in itself, I think is a gift, but I'm more interested if I can put it that way, with no disrespect to what's been shared on the podcast, because I absolutely love the conversation, but I'm more interested in the shadow stories. And when people are willing to come on and within reason, you know, within reason, bear as much as they can of their dark nights of being dads as well as their light days of being dads, I think that is a great starting point. As it was, you know, as I said, you know, if you want to start doing this work, it's kind of having that awareness. Well, you know, the dads who, you know, I think this is true of all the dads who've been on the show so far, they've been willing to look at themselves. They've been willing to explore and examine who they are as a dad to celebrate their wins, but also to say, well, look, these are the things that I found really, really tough. And um, that to me is your, uh, is your entry ticket to the show. I mean, I want to have really real conversations with dads, ones that, people can lean forward to or sit up and listen and go, oh, thank God somebody else is having that experience because that's me. That's me. Beautiful. So is there anything else, mate? So we're, I'm aware we're, we're coming to the, the end of time and I, I just, is there anything else that you would like to say to, to wrap this up?
I touched on it at the beginning, but I just want to say how grateful I am uh, for this experience that I've had, you know, catalyzed in conversation with you, um, supported by many others. Um, it's been eye-opening and moving and powerful to listen to Dan talk about themselves. I've just enjoyed the conversations immensely. Uh, so I'm very, very grateful to everybody who's taken part and listened so far. And I'm excited because I think there are so many other conversations to be had. Um, so you know, my, my invitation is really to anybody who's interested in this, um, in the heart of Dad, to, to just to get in touch and for us to deepen the conversation and, um, and join the community as well. Um, Facebook, search for Heart of Dad, um, join our group. Perfect. And certainly from my point of view, Matt, not just as a coach, but as a, as a friend and a fellow dad, just want to thank you for, for bringing this into, into awareness, into the world, into people's view and making it accessible because it is just such an important thing. I mean, I talk to my mates and, and, and we all have the same sort of conversations, but they're very much kind of we're talked about but not really explored. Mm. And that's why I love this so much because it gives us a chance to actually properly get into the detail and, and, and take the heaviness out of it. So that's it. Is there anything you'd like to say to your listeners before I stop the recording? Nothing other than thank you for all the people who've downloaded so far. And um, yeah, I look forward to releasing the next, uh, next few seasons, which are in the bag as well. 